On this second Sunday in Advent, we light two candles. We light the second candle as a symbol of our longing for peace. We bring our hope into the world when we practice peacemaking. Our caring community aspires to be a source of freedom from violence and exclusion. May we become the ones we have been waiting for. Together, may we strive to create a lasting peace. The peace of God with us does not come as law and order, enforcement and control. Peace cannot be imposed from on high. Peace cannot be commanded. The peace of God with us is chaotic, wild, unruly, unpredictable. The peace of God with us is collective, liberating us from deadly complicity. Peace is gestating in darkness. It comes unexpectedly. Peace invites our expectation and demands our participation. Prepare the way for peace with justice. May peace be birthed among, within and through us this Advent season. O come, O come, Emmanuel. These opening words by Megan Visser and Anna Bladel, words for the second Sunday in Advent, where we light our Advent candle for peace. These words welcome all those who've gathered here on Zoom this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today, and also those who might be listening in via the podcast or watching on YouTube at some later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall, and having been part of this congregation for 22 years, I'm serving now as the ministry coordinator. If anyone's here for the first time today, a particular welcome to you. I hope you find something of what you need this morning, challenge or comfort or company. Please hang around afterwards for a chat if you'd like to, or drop us an email to say hello or ask any questions you might have. We might try coming to one of our other small groups during the week. They're a good way to get to know people better and get a sense of what it is we're all about. If you're a regular here, thank you for all you do to welcome all who come. We all have a part to play in co-creating this sense of community and this sacred space that we share. We always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable this hour. Um, it's lovely to see your faces, but it's fine to turn your camera off. There'll be chances to join in as we go along, but no compulsion. You can quietly lurk with our blessing. You know how to find us if you want to be in touch. This morning's service is titled Presence or Presence. It works better in writing. At this time of year, when there's usually a lot of palaver around buying and exchanging Christmas presents, present TS, uh, we're going to take some time instead today to think about presence, CE. Presence as a present, the gift of showing up, being there. There are many different ways to be there for each other, even when circumstances might mean we can't be in the same room or same city or same country for now. So this is a congregational service featuring a diverse selection of contributions from our very own Liz, Maria, Marianne, Mark and Rita. There's plenty to look forward to in the hour ahead. But before we go any further, I'm going to do what we do each Sunday, and that's light our chalice. It's a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and it reminds us of the proudly progressive historic religious tradition of which this gathering is part. We call this light before us in faith and hope that we may always remain a strong community, being there for one another through life's ups and downs, working together to make the world a better place for all. When we're grieving or sad, when we're challenged, when we need help, this little flame guides us out of the darkness. When we feel cheerful, when we celebrate, when we accomplish a great task, this chalice reminds us to share that happiness with others. Let's take all those joys and concerns, the ones we heard expressed 
and the ones that we're holding quietly. Let's hold them in a spirit of loving kindness as we move into a time of prayer and reflection now. This prayer is based on words by Carter Smith. And you might want to get comfortable, adjust your position, close your eyes, soften your gaze, maybe look at the candle. You might get into a posture that helps you feel a bit more prayerful, whatever works for you. Whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us all to pray together now and be fully present with ourselves, each other, and that which is within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune in to your presence within us and amongst us. We seek to know grace so that we might honour our interconnectedness this day with each other and with those who have gone before us. When we witness suffering in ourselves, our loved ones and in the world around us, may we know compassion. When we're at a loss for words, when we're unsure of the path ahead, may we be guided by this compassion to be witnesses still to know and to feel that this human family is broken in so many ways. It's further wounded with every life lost, each estrangement and fracture of relationship, with each time someone's inherent worth and dignity is denied. When we find ourselves exhausted and defeated and unsure which way to go, may we keep witnessing turning ever further towards your still small voice, towards love. And remind us too that the experience of suffering does not close us off from the possibility of joy. May we know that our interconnectedness is a miracle and may it be a refuge for us, felt in the voice of a friend, the momentary kindness of a stranger, the touch of a loved one, the comforting memories of days spent in good company. May we remain grateful for the goodness we've witnessed and enacted in this world. And may the warmth of our lives together hold us in love as we move into a future that's uncertain as ever. Spirit of life, God of all love, help us to truly know your presence, that it may remind us of what is sacred in each precious moment, even when we're in suffering, exhaustion or brokenness. And may you teach us that sacred presence too, that we might know ourselves here and now, that we might be truly present for each other and show up for this one wild and precious life that we share. And in a few moments of shared stillness now, may our hearts speak silently all the prayers of our lives, our soul's greatest joys and deepest sorrows, our triumphs and failures, our regrets and our fears, our disappointments and our losses, our hopes and our dreams, our concern for all souls, all creatures, all beings with whom we share this precious planet. Let us offer up our deepest reality to the one who holds all.
spirit of life, God of all love. As this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for our first hymn today. It's called Blessed Spirit of My Life. It's recorded by the Unitarian Music Society and in a way, it's a continuation of our prayers. The words will come up on screen in a moment for you to sing along if you'd like. We'll try and make sure you all stay muted. If you don't fancy singing, it's absolutely fine just to listen. And after our hymn, we'll hear from our first two contributors, something a bit unusual to start with, a short story by Liz, which sets out our theme of presence or presence. And then a personal reflection from Maria on some of the different ways in which we can be present to each other. reading a short story called Presence or Presence. Mum, it's Sam, her son's voice boomed. Just to let you know, you've got a delivery tomorrow. What is it? Mary asked. Sam laughed. It's a surprise. Your birthday present, silly. Something you'll love. Sorry, got to go. We're going out for dinner. Bye. Sam could have checked whether Mary was going out tomorrow. He probably thought she had no social life. He wasn't far wrong, she ruthlessly acknowledged. The doorbell chimed at nine o'clock the next morning. Her surprise was a dishwasher. The phone rang again that evening. What do you think of your surprise? Sam asked eagerly. Mary hesitated. It's very nice, she said eventually. It's top of the range, he said. I chose a slimline model especially for you. It will save you doing the washing up. I don't mind washing up, she wanted to say. Sam rang off shortly afterwards, clearly disappointed with her reaction. Though she hadn't asked for or wanted a dishwasher. She discussed this with her friend Erin when she popped around for a cup of tea and a chat. It was very kind and generous of Sam, she said. Erin snorted. Did he ask you if you wanted a dishwasher? No, Mary admitted. Did you ask him if he could come and see you on your birthday? No, but I know the answer. He'll be too busy. He always is. You need to let him know you'd much rather see him than an expensive and unwanted present. Erin had always been a plain speaker. But he's got so much on his plate, 
running his business and looking after his family. I'll see them at Christmas. You're his family too, Erin said. Mary changed the conversation. On her birthday, Mary told herself she was going to enjoy the day, even if she was on her own. She opened her birthday cards, few as they were. Erin had a hospital appointment, but they'd go out the next day. The doorbell chimed at three o'clock. Mary opened it to see Sam on the doorstep, smiling at her. Sam, come in. Sam laughed. Oh no, Mum, I'm taking you out for afternoon tea. Get your coat on. Bewildered, Mary allowed herself to be bundled into a jacket and then into Sam's car. I wasn't expecting to see you today, she said. I had a phone call from your friend Erin. She gave me a right talking to. Mary cringed. I'm sorry about that. She shouldn't have done that. Sam spoke up. Yes, she should. I'm sorry, Mum. I wanted to do something nice for you for your birthday. I just didn't think about what you'd like. You don't have to buy me expensive gifts, she said. Your presence is present enough for me. I'll try to remember that in the future, he promised. I had a masterclass in being present for someone from my mum and her relationship with her mum and dad, my grandparents. My mum was the only one of 10 siblings to leave Belfast during the early 70s and set roots in London. Despite this, throughout my childhood and adulthood, I felt a deep emotional connection to my family there. In many ways, more than my family were just up the roads in North London. I've recently reflected on why this is. My conclusion? It was the emotional bond and connection that my mum and grandparents continued to carefully nurture over the decades despite their physical separation. In looking through my grand's belongings after her death this July, we found hundreds and hundreds of photos of my mom, my dad, and my two sisters. Now, and this was, despite them having over 30 grandchildren, we were fairly heavily rep, we were very heavily represented. But you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought that we were three of 30 grandchildren from the mementos. Amongst the photos were cards, gifts, artwork that we had sent years before. We had forgotten them. They hadn't. Carefully nurtured in creating a presence of memory despite the distance between us, the physical distance. Now that they've stopped, I now realise and appreciate and miss the weekly updates from my granny Helen via my mum about all the Belfast family updates. My mum recently arranged for a painting that I'd done for my granddad of his beloved local chapel, St Luke's, to be sent over to us. I've actually got it here. I remembered his insistence on me doing it, despite my very average artistic skills. Why didn't he just ask a local painter or someone else from the family? As it hung in his office wall every day since the summer of 1991, on reflection, I realised it was another way for him to nurture my presence between our summer visits. Fast forward to 2021 and my son uses modern methods to nurture presence while he's away from family for the first time at Durham Uni. He sends photos of the food he's cooked, the sunset he sees from his halls, and he tells me to get off Spotify when we're both on together. <laughs> Luckily, he hasn't given me a bankrupting Christmas wish list of high-tech expensive presents. However, he is completely insistent that I am home, present to see him when he gets back from his holidays on December the 11th. Now that I can manage.
Thanks, Maria, and thanks, Liz. We've got three more reflections to look forward to later on in the service. We've come now to a time of meditation. I'm going to offer just a few suggestions to take us into our time of meditation today. There'll be a few minutes then of shared stillness during which we'll have our virtual advent wreath on the screen. And the silence will come to an end with some lovely piano music, which was recorded for us this time last year by Sandra Smith. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor. Uh, you might want to close your eyes. As I always say, the words, the music, the images, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. So in this time of meditation, I invite you to call to mind experiences of presence in your own life. What about times when someone's been there for you, showed up for you when you needed them, given you the gift of presence? Maybe someone was physically present as a companion, as a helping hand during hard times. Maybe someone couldn't be present in person, but showed they were there for you in other ways. Maybe they showed solidarity in a moment when you thought that you were all on your own. You might be thinking of a different sort of presence, the feeling that someone's still around and still looking out for us in some sort of spiritual sense, even when they're no longer around in physical form. Or perhaps you could call to mind an occasion when you gave the gift of your presence, your gift of care to someone else. Let's take these special memories of presence into a time of shared stillness and silence now.
An enduring gift of kindness and compassion. I often tell the story of my math teacher who played a profound role in my future when I was 17 years old. He was a young teacher, tall and shy. Like other pupils, I knew nothing of his life, simply because we were not interested, so full of our own egos were we, as one does at 17. Algebra and geometry were a mystery way beyond my brain's capabilities. I had been struggling all year long and my exam results had suffered. In those days in Belgium, you did not sit a national exam and you had to take extra exams called maturity exams to confirm that you mastered certain subjects in order to be allowed to go to university. The hour of reckoning came on a late June morning for 20 pupils in their last year. On the blackboard looming large and ominous, the following words had appeared. The square of the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the squares of the other two sides of the triangle. Demonstrate. Oh no. The curse of Pythagoras. I tried to compose myself, briefly spelled the title correctly, underlined it with my ruler, drew a triangle, and then my brain disappeared into impenetrable fog. Yes, I didn't have the foggiest idea. After what seemed an eternity, students started to put their pens down and leave one by one. So here I am alone in the classroom with my teacher towering over the platform in front of the blackboard. He can see my blank page and my distress and addresses me by my name. Marianne, this is not difficult. All you need to do is, and then he proceeds to demonstrate the whole tortuous affair on the blackboard. He speaks slowly without turning around. And I write down every single shaky word until the page is full. He then turns around, he then turns around, collects my paper and wishes me good luck. Now, you might say this raises questions of ethics, but my teacher knew that I had no hope in hell of reaching the so-called requested, the so-called required maturity in maths by resetting an exam, which would have poisoned my whole summer. He also knew that I excelled in other subjects and that I probably would never again need to cross paths with Pythagoras and his hypotenuse. This man was present at my time of need and his gift had a profound influence on my life without me real realizing this until I was very much older. Many years later, I tried to contact him but heard that he had died young. By the way, his name was Monsieur Lamy, as in Lamy the friend. 
I like to think of him as a friend, a traveling companion, and I imagine his hand reaching for mine when the going gets tough. Through my telling this story, I honor his memory and I lend him my voice so that he can continue passing his message of kindness and compassion. I was 18 years old when I moved away from home to go to uni. Not only was this before Zoom and FaceTime, this was also before regular people had mobiles and emails. Long distance communication was primarily the landline and the letter. I didn't know it at the time, but nearly all of the marbled powder blue letter writing paper I packed would end up with my best mate, Dave. I would lay on my top bunk most evenings, slowly collecting more and more almost legible content before judging there to be enough to justify the postage. What a rush of excitement it was when a reply arrived. I really never knew it was coming and I could hear his unique voice in the reading. Adding to the delight, he sometimes finished his letters on the back of a bit of bark or a pub coaster. We exchanged interesting bits from our journals, drafts of poems, and little anecdotes filled with experiences and observations that were particularly striking to adolescents morphing towards adulthood. In addition to our letters, my mate drove up roughly fortnightly to collect me. Driving an hour and a half to get me, I'd get in his black VW straight away and we'd head back home. The ride was the best bit. 90 minutes of uninterrupted talking mixed with silence. We had no idea how rare that kind of presence would become, but boy, did we enjoy it. Clearly, we were seeking and comforted by each other's company. My missus' presence, now separated by an ocean and circumstance. We still write, but the frequency continues to wane with time. But what never fades is the rush of mystery and wonder at the moment a letter from him arrives. I have some of them. Any reasoning behind which were kept is long lost. And while it is hard to imagine there would be any interest in them when I'm gone, to me, the box at the bottom of my bedside table is like my own personal little cave at Kumaran with fragments of sacred texts carefully preserved within. Leaving the UK in January 2019 due to Brexit was hard. My husband and I were leaving behind family, our beloved Unitarian congregation in Bangor, North Wales, who we had helped to set up in 2008, as well as many friends. I also had to give up my job as a specialist mentor, supporting students with mental health problems and students on the autism spectrum at Bangor University. It was a role, although challenging at times, utterly rewarding. I was able to be alongside young people who had a difficult start in life, but determined to achieve their goals, earning their degree and finding a career. I worked with a fantastic team in Bangor, people going the extra mile for students, listening with compassion and empathy to their many problems and concerns and being there for them in difficult times. When the pandemic hit Europe in spring 2020, we had just been living in Germany for a bit over a year and we had barely started making new friends. Social life came to a standstill. We felt quite isolated here. 
Then, all of a sudden, congregations in the UK discovered Zoom and offered gatherings for worship remotely. We heard that Jane offered heart and soul and decided to join. It has come to mean a lot to us. It is a space to connect, for deep listening, to share and reflect on life's issues in a very inclusive and welcoming environment. We reconnected with old friends and met new people who soon became friends too. We have been participating regularly and now refer to the people we meet as our Friday family. Inspired by our experience with heart and soul, we also made contact with our Banga Unitarian friends and suggested having a go at offering gatherings for worship using Zoom as a medium. This really took off and generated interest also among friends living further afield. Some were Unitarians, others were Quakers. My husband and I are not the only ones joining from Germany. Some of our new friends have joined too and connected with the group. Our treasurer joins from Uganda. The group has grown and is now more vibrant than in the past. Gone are the days when our friends in North Wales were unsure whether they'd be able to keep the show on the road in 2018-19. Technology enabled us to reconnect. For me, for me, this was an unexpected development, a gift, a real blessing. Whereas pre-pandemic, Banga Unitarians were able to offer one gathering for worship per month, as well as an informal house group meeting, we are now in a position to offer two gatherings for worship, one Zoom, one hybrid, as well as two informal meetings per month. In the summer of 2020, I heard from a former fellow mentor that Bangor University was delivering mentoring support remotely due to COVID. I didn't want to raise my hopes too high, but thought there'd be no harm in asking if I could perhaps do some remote mentoring. The answer was yes, I could. My colleagues and I, and as well as of course the students, had to adopt, adapt to the new format. I wondered if this would work, whether they'd be able to build rapport and if the quality of the mentoring relationship would be the same as with my previous students. Now, rather than meeting in a small office space face-to-face, -face, we would connect via a screen from our respective homes. I would encounter students in their living space and sometimes meet their pets. I also soon found that some students felt so anxious they preferred to switch their camera off, which meant I had to go with their voices. I focused on the tone of their voices and paid close attention to their choice of words when describing their problems. I felt that my ability to listen and make out nuances increased. I felt as connected as with the students I mentored face to face. Reflecting on my experience of online gatherings for worship, heart and soul, and my experience of mentoring online, I can say that this format doesn't prevent me from being fully with someone and listen deeply, nor does it prevent me from feeling fully connected and listened to. Thich Nhat Hanh tells us that mindfulness is an energy of attention, a capacity to be present 100% to what is happening within and around us. This kind of presence is so precious, and I feel it is possible online. Thank you, Rita and Mark and Marianne, for your lovely reflections on presence in all its various forms. We've just got one last chance to sing together now. This hymn, Life's Great Gifts, reminds us that in this season of gift giving, the greatest gifts of all aren't the ones we can order off of Amazon and wrap up in a bow. As always, we'll try and make sure that you're all muted, so feel, to feel free to sing along or listen as you'd rather.
I've got loads of announcements this morning, so brace yourselves. Uh, thanks to all our contributors, to Liz, Maria, Marianne, Mark, Rita, extra thanks to Maria for hosting and to Sandra for our music. Don't forget we have virtual coffee time after the service, so you can stay around and chat if you'd like. If that's not your thing, do get in touch via email if you'd like to introduce yourself. As I said, it's a bit harder to get to know people during these online services. If you can bear it, hang around as we like to take a group photo after the service. Not obligatory, but we like it. We'll be back next week at 10.30 on Zoom and in person. Uh, if you're planning to come along to the church in person, it would be helpful if you could email to let me know. It will help us decide how to set out the chairs and some other logistical matters. Please do read and take note of the COVID safety precautions that we laid out in this week's emails. You probably gathered by now, um, if you're a regular, that setting up to live stream services is quite a palaver. So anything you can do to help things go smoothly next weekend, including not turning up too early, uh, would be appreciated. This one is a one-off experiment prior to us having all the proper gear installed in January to do proper hybrid services going forward. So bear with us if things look a bit cobbled together for the time being. For those of you that are joining from home next week via Zoom, your experience shouldn't be too different from usual, except I'm afraid you won't be able to join in with joys and concerns next week. This is not how it's going to be long term, but it's just one complication too many for us next week while we're still learning the technology. After the in-person service, there'll be a getting to know you walk departing from the church, not the nature walk previously advertised. This one will be run by Carolyn and friends. A destination to be decided. We're still looking for volunteers to be involved in this virtual choir singing Christmas carols to including the Christmas Eve service. You don't have to be a brilliant singer. It's a fun community sing along. I have now got the guide tracks and all the instructions ready. So do give me a shout if you fancy having a go and I'll email you the details this afternoon. Um, you'd need to send your videos back a week on Monday. So there's not a lot of turnaround time to give us time to edit it all in time for Christmas. We will coach you, whatever's necessary. The more the merrier, so drop me an email if you want to be in on that. Looking further ahead, um, I encourage you to sign up for our How to Be a Unitarian online course that will take place on six Thursday evenings, alternate weeks starting on the 6th of January. That's all on Zoom. The idea of this course is to help people get a sense of our Unitarian tradition and to find their place in it. It is nowhere near as dry as that might sound. Um, it should be particularly well uh, valuable for newcomers, but I would like to encourage long-standing members to come along too, so you can share your wisdom and make connections with others, old and new, and from around the country and beyond. Um, I think we've got a bunch of other ministers joining us as well from other congregations. There'll be some talk content, some relatively short readings for you to look at between sessions if you've got the time and oomph for homework. But despite the tongue-in-cheek title, the heart of the course is your own personal reflection and group exploration of what it means for you to be a Unitarian today. As ever, there are a number of opportunities to connect in the week ahead. Coffee morning at half ten on Tuesday, this week hosted by Liz. Newcomers are always welcome. Um, that's all on Zoom. Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering that Rita mentioned. This week, the theme is Handmade. It's on tonight and Friday at seven o'clock. Even if you've never been before, it's never too late to start. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings and we encourage people to keep in touch as best they can during the week, especially during this time while we're still mostly online. That is the end of the announcements. So we've just got our closing words and closing music now. I invite you once again to select gallery view at this point so that we can get a sense of our gathered community as we end. May the blessings of life be upon us, upon this congregation. May the memories we gather here give us hope for the future. May the love that we share bring strength and joy to our hearts. And may the peace of this community remain with us until we meet again. Amen.